We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church right here in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today we continue in this series from Pastor Sean called Rethinking Impossible. As fear is something we all experience, it's a powerful emotion It can also be a mindset that colors the way we see the world and limits our opportunities. So what can a faith mindset teach us so that we can break free of fear? Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew chapter 14 as today's message is entitled, Called to the Impossible. Here's Pastor Sean Azaro. It's time for Real Life Radio. As Mike shared with you, we're going to continue this series we've been in called Rethinking Impossible. Because this journey of faith is something we don't want to just talk about. We don't want to kind of observe and hear of other people's journey. We want the real thing, okay? We really do. We want the, you know, the whole enchilada, if you will, the whole gospel enchilada. But yeah, we don't want light. I do not want gospel light. I do not want the kind of tempered contemporary version. I I want the New Testament version because the scripture talks about God working in people's lives. He talks about the power of the spirit at work among God's people. And too many people have lived too long in the Christian church and never experienced the powerful presence of the Lord's Spirit and the work that he does. And so we're rethinking impossible. And you remember we started out, I think, in a really appropriate way on Easter morning. We started the series, the idea, what better way to start a conversation on impossible than on the day when we celebrate resurrection from the dead. And remember what John said, we, t- we talked about how John said God did the impossible, and John shared those stories of the impossible so that we would believe. Belief is central. It's the core essence of what this faith is about, a belief so strong, we have to act on it. And remember, we then moved to the conversation of mountain-moving faith. Remember that statement Jesus made, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you say that mountain over there would be moved, and it'd be moved. The fact is, I think that is that passage has been misapplied and misused. It's not as though God is saying, okay, if you can work up greater levels of faith, then you'll do greater things. I don't think that's always, in fact, the whole point of the mustard seed is like, it's such a small, it's almost a ridiculous analogy and a ridiculous comparison. I remember our main point was it's not the, it, it's the object of your faith, not the amount that moves mountains. It's not about me working up more faith and kind of becoming stronger and then being able to do greater things. It's the object of your faith. Not the amount that moves mountains. It's that my faith is in him. Even the least little bit of pure faith in Father through Jesus Christ. And when your eyes are on him, and if he says, I'm going to move that mountain over there, and then you say, okay, Lord, so be it. That mountain be moved. That mountain's going to be moved. It's the object, not the amount. And then last week, we, of course, talked about one of the biggest obstacles in the walk of faith that, at least as a pastor, I, I run into with people. And it's this issue of finances. Well, I think God would want me to do this, but I can't because, and it comes down to something regarding our economics, our finances. Well, I'd love to take the step of obedience, I can't afford it, or I want to stop doing this behavior, but I can't afford it because I have to. 
I don't think God wants me in this job that I'm in. I don't think it honors him, but I have to because, and it's always a financial thing. And you remember we said freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. It's nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. And God does want to set you free. I want to challenge you. If you're in a situation where economics are a, a binding, a constraining factor, and you think God has some things for you and wants you to walk in some things, but you think you can't because of finances, I encourage you. Go back to reallife.org and listen to last week's message, or you can listen on the app. Um, I encourage you, because the scripture talks about that, and I think there's some powerful things God wants to show us. Now, this morning, I think this is a conversation that was inevitable, okay? When we talk about rethinking impossible. And that is that the impossible, when we're talking about this walk of faith, the impossible will always take us out of our comfort zone every single time, because it's the place where only God can work. I can't control it. I can't manipulate it. It's him. It's that place of dependence and that place of trust. And quite frankly, that is a place that is uncomfortable for a whole lot of people. And I think even in the context of our theology, we handle this differently. We hear the things that Jesus did. We read what the scripture says, and we kind of see it as up here and go, wow. That's, that's lofty. And our experience is here. And so what happens is a lot of times we try to bring it down to our level. Well, he didn't really mean that. Or that, that was for then, but not for now. We come with all kinds of reasons where we kind of just bring God right down here to our level. Okay, I'm comfortable with this. Now this faith looks kind of like what I'm experiencing. And so rather than saying, wait a minute, maybe God has something absolutely different and God wants me to step up to new planes of understanding, new steps of maturity, new places of power and, dare I say, authority in his name, I'll just try to explain this away and try to bring him down rather than being open and saying, Lord, whatever you want, I'm open. I want the full deal. I want all of it, Lord. Your words talks about it. I want every bit of it. Well, we're going to go and we're going to talk about the impossible and the place where only God can work. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 14 with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, and whether that's paper Bible, electronic, our app. We have the notes app. If you have that, we have all the scriptures printed out there so you can do that. I'm going to pick up at verse 22. Now, this is right after the mir- miracle of feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Okay, remember Jesus fed a multitude of people, a huge crowd, with some kids' lunch. And this is immediately following that. And so verse 22 says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Why did he do that? John tells us it's because the crowds were so blown away by what Jesus did that they were now going to make him king by force. You're the king, and they were willing to go throw Herod out by force. Go, they were going to go after Caesar. No, it's Jesus. And they were going to try to do this by force, and Jesus wanted no part of that. That wasn't the way this was supposed to happen. So he gets the disciples in the boat, says, you guys go to the other side. He dismisses the crowd. And then we're told, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, why would he do that? I'm like, well, he did it a lot. Yes, he did. Remember, this whole thing is also right after Jesus had heard his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by Herod. And I think we rush by these moments to our own peril. I think Jesus hadn't had even the opportunity to go and process. And I love this picture of our Savior. Here we see his humanity. I think he needed to go and get alone with Father and just pour out his heart and get perspective 
and just be alone to pray. And I, I just want to say, anytime we see this in Jesus, we have to stop and go, how? If, if Jesus himself needed to go, get alone, get away from the crowd and the noise and all the stuff to pray, how much more do we need that? How much more do we need those times just to go and say, Father, what do you think about all this stuff I'm walking through? Father, what do you think about what she said? Father, what do you think about what I'm having to face here? And just all of a sudden have your vision recalibrated where you see the stuff we're facing, but you also see Father, and it just, oh, okay. And it reminds you of the awesome nature of our God. Never miss the importance of those times of quiet, those times of prayer. We're told when, Jesus, when evening came, he, Jesus, was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. And look at the phrase Matthew uses, beaten by the waves. Okay, this is, he's, he's describing something really big. Okay, this is a storm. They're in a storm. And the waves, the wind was so big, the waves were so big that it was just beating and tossing this boat. Now, there were fishermen, right? A number of the disciples were fishermen. They were experts at this. Um, Matthew wasn't. He's a tax collector, so he may have been like, oh, God, we're going to die, you know? The other guys might have been, oh, we can take this. I don't know. I just know it was significant. It was a real storm. And they are beaten by these waves, and they're not making great time because it says the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, it's the middle of the night, he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. Now, I always, my desire is that we could look at these with fresh lenses. I wish, I wish this weren't so common to us that we talk about anybody who does really great things. We say, oh, he walks on water. So we're so familiar with this story that it's become a cliched phrase in our culture. I wish you could, with fresh eyes, be those disciples for a moment in this boat. Oh, this is tough. Oh, and all of a sudden, they see a person walking on the water. Because we read that he came to them walking on the water. Of course he did. Well, of course. Because that's what Jesus does. He walks on water. That night he came to them walking on the sea. The very turbulent, thrashing sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they said, oh, look, there's Jesus. Hey, Jesus, come over here. Oh, no, that's not what it says. It says they were terrified, and they said it's a ghost. They didn't even have any way to process this. Do you understand their, that, that assessment was very logical? At least as much as anything in that moment would make sense. It's a ghost. Had any of them ever seen ghosts? I don't know. I don't think so. But, but that's like, that's the most logical thing at the moment. I don't have a category to place this in my head. I'm out at sea, we're fighting this waves, this boat, oh my gosh, this is going to be a long night. And there's a guy walking up to the boat. At first you can't see him, it's dark, maybe it's raining. All of a sudden you see someone walking up to you in the middle of this sea. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. So he calms them. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Hold it, stop, time out. Where did that come from? Oh, whew, it's Jesus. I don't have to be afraid anymore. Okay, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out and I'll come. I mean, Peter, we know he's always the guy kind of stepping up first, whether it be to put his foot in his mouth or to preach the thousands and see them be saved, whatever. He's that guy. But what made him say, hey, you know what? This will be awesome. I think I'm going to ask Jesus to 
call me out. I don't know. Uh, this is one of those things because you know they were afraid. You know they're there. They'd never seen anything like this. And Peter's first thought is, cool. Okay, Jesus, if it's you, call to me and I'll come. I can't help but think Jesus cracked up at that. <laughs> I mean, he's walking on water being Jesus, right? And Peter's like, hey, I'm in. And I, I, I actually, all the scripture says, Jesus said, come. But I, I kind of picture that with a chuckle like, Peter, you crack me up. Come on. So he said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. What is it even like? He just stepped over the side. He looked at Jesus. He heard the invitation of Jesus. And he walked on the sea. But when he saw the wind, He didn't really see the wind, right? He saw the effects of the wind. He saw the thrashing of the waves. He saw the boat bucking up and down. He saw the wind. He was afraid. It's about time, Peter. He was afraid, and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Okay, stop, time out. I read that phrase to the guy who just walked out on the water towards Jesus. And that is very convicting to me. If the guy who got out of the boat actually walked on water because he trusted Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, oh, you little faith, uh, I'm in trouble. And so are you. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I am not alone in this room. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Understand, I don't think there's some sort of dark criticism there or harshness in Jesus. You remember what he had said when we talked a couple weeks ago. The disciples asked why they couldn't cast the demon out of that boy. You remember? And why couldn't we, Jesus? And remember what he said? And remember we had to look in the New American Standard to see the literal translation of that. Because of the littleness of your faith. The littleness. It wasn't that he was saying, oh, if you had had more, built up more. It's your faith is small. Your view of God is small. Your view of me is small, said Jesus. You don't see yet. And I think that's what he's saying to Peter. Oh, you have little faith. Peter, you were walking. Why did you doubt? What happened, Peter? What changed? And when they got in the boat, I love that, Jesus and Peter. So you picture, he falls, Jesus pulls him up and kind of carries him back over. Peter goes out like a lion, kind of comes back like a lamb. I've done that lots of times. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. They saw everything different now. They'd seen him. They were in this storm. They saw what looked like a ghost, some apparition. They were terrified. Then the words of Jesus, take heart, it's me. Don't be afraid. I want to suggest they saw the impossible, and then one of them, Peter, actually did the impossible at Jesus' command. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, because this I want you to remember. The path to the impossible generally runs right through the gate of our fear. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called Rethinking Impossible, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life. 
Real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message called to the impossible. This is Real Life Radio. The path of the impossible generally runs right through the gate of your and my fear. I mean, I have to tell you, fear is one of the biggest hindrances in people's lives today. I am discouraged sometimes as I talk to people how afraid we've become, how fear is kind of the vogue thing of the day. And it forms these gates. God calls us. God says, I want to do something. But, oh, no, 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 no. Stop. The path the impossible runs into a gate of our fear. And it just ticks me off because we're, we're terrified in so many different ways. And what's fascinating is that there's always, when we're terrified and we're afraid, there's always someone willing to sell us something to help with our fear. Have you thought about that? I mean, think about how much advertisers and just culture kind of feeds us a fear. Oh, you got to be afraid of it, afraid of this, afraid for this, afraid of this. Oh, but good news, we have this, and for $9.95 you can have this, and then you won't have to be afraid anymore. And we really convince people we're not safe. We're not safe. We're not safe sitting here right now. I mean, have all the safety precautions been taken? I'm here to tell you as your pastor, we have taken every safety precaution for your safety. We wanted to issue little helmets to you in church, just to be sure. It's funny because it's true, folks. I mean, it's crazy with the fear. We're afraid of everything, and their gates, they stop us. People are afraid of the future. They look and say, what's it going to be like when we get older? What's it going to be like for our kids? And they're afraid, terrified for the future. A lot of people go through life being afraid of not having enough. We talked about that last week. And that can involve, you know, job, mortgage, and retirement, savings, all the stuff. And so everything in life is through that lens. A lot of people spend a lot of time being afraid of people. Afraid of people. And often it's just people's opinions. Sometimes it's what they can actually do to us. Usually it's often just what will they think of us. What will they think of me? You know, when you stop and think about that, stops so many people. Think of how afraid we are to actually say what we believe in our hearts. Think of that. Think about how afraid we are to say and just speak what we think is true in a public discourse, a conversation. I mean, we are a nation that has an actual amendment in our Constitution saying we have the right to free speech. And we are so terrified. We are so terrified to in some way speak and maybe not align with the popular contemporary orthodoxy. You know, you think of political correctness, you think of other ways where we're controlled and intimidated by the fear of what people think. Afraid to what to say. Remember, when I was a kid, man, people say anything. And you go, oh, okay, you could say whatever you want. You're crazy, but good for you. God bless you. Sure, you're a lunatic, but it's your right to speak out. And good, and I, want, I would defend your right to speak out. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, 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 no. You keep your opinions to yourself unless they align with the agreed upon 
cultural orthodoxy. Afraid of insignificance. A lot of people walk through life afraid. What if I don't make my mark? What if I don't matter? What if, what if I don't measure up? That's one that when I was younger, I struggled with. I really did. And when I made the decision to go into ministry, uh, my dad didn't like it. He didn't get it. He didn't affirm it. He was never much of an encourager anyway in that regard. And so it was one of those things where it became very, very hard. And, you know, every young man wants to have dad's approval. That's why we walk around with daddy issues. You know, sorry, dads, it is. Nobody ever talks about mommy issues. Eh, mommy's wonderful, but daddy issues. We got the daddy issues. <laughs> sorry, moms. It's true. We're very bitter about that. We dads are just really bothered. <laughs> My kids used to tell me, you're not fair. Well, tell it to someone on a couch someday. You're going to anyway. It's fine. But for me, this was a real issue. And I really thought I had dealt with it. I thought, okay, I've kind of processed that, I've contextualized it, I've moved on, until I was at some ministry training, actually, a number of years ago. And uh, they showed a video that very cleverly made kind of this, showed kind of some performance issues, people who, who really, you know, stri- strive for high performance and perfection, and I'm seeing myself and identifying, and they're showing this connection to, okay, yeah, because you're still trying to please a dad who's not been around to see it, or a dad who's not even involved and is like, I very much had to acknowledge, wow, I have a lot of those tendencies, and yep, I see that connection. And you know the thing that was transformative there was when I went to Father, my Heavenly Father, with that, and he said, well, I'm your Father, and I love you. And I created you the way you are. And I delight in what you're doing. And that changed everything. It actually helped me forgive my dad and release him because my need for affirmation was being met in the healthy, appropriate place with my heavenly father. And so I could release my earthly father from this debt that I believe he owed me. But that's another sermon for another time. But anyway, I know that fear, that fear of insignificance. I understand that. Sometimes the fear is harm or loss, but whatever it is, it's epidemic. Fear is epidemic, and it becomes something that colors the world, the the way we see the world. It's like lenses that we look at everything, and we walk with this fear. Fear paralyzes people. Have you ever felt paralyzed by fear? Maybe in a decision? Like, well, there's problems with either path, so I, I don't know, and you get locked up. So many huge mistakes can be attributed to fear. I mean, I know I look back at some big mistakes, whether it be in relationships or in decisions or whatever it is, and I recognize, yeah, the motivator was fear. Fear was the problem. I'll bet you could too if you thought about it. Bottom line is fear makes people slaves. We become slaves to fear. And here Jesus' command, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid kind of rings powerfully. The scriptures talks about over and over, don't be afraid. I want to challenge you. Jesus has a desire to set us free from fear because he wants to remove the gates. God wants to do the impossible. God wants to do things that we didn't imagine. He wants us to mature. You know, scripture uses that phrase, exceedingly abundantly, above all we ask or think. That's what he can and will do. But fear is that thing that causes us to say, nope. And Jesus wants to remove those gates. The question I would ask for us, River City Community Church, is are you willing? Are you willing to be set free from fear? Because that will change things. A couple things will happen automatically. Number one, you become kind of a dangerous person to people. Because understand, if cultures learn to control us through fear, what, do you happen, what happens when we overcome fear and we're not afraid anymore? Yeah, you can't be controlled. Uh, that's a scary person. 
Okay? If they can't control you with fear, whatever kind it is, um, you've just become kind of a threatening, scary person. Because if people are wanting to control you with fear, uh, you, you just kind of rain on their parade. Second thing, some people think you're crazy because fear has almost been equated with responsibility. Well, if you're a responsible person, then you'll have appropriate levels of fear carrying around. And I just, I just want to say that's gone to such ridiculous levels that some people, when you become fearless and begin to let God remove those gates and begin to trust him and step out, some people look at you as downright irresponsible. And they don't expect them to understand you. Don't expect them to get it if they're still trapped by fear. A couple things we don't need to be afraid of. Number one, don't be afraid of the storms. Don't be afraid of the storms. Um, they were in the midst of a storm, and what just gives me such great comfort is Jesus knew, and he came to them. And storms are a regular part of life. You may be in one right now. The good news is you're not alone. Just like they weren't alone, you are not alone. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, as next time we'll continue in this series, Rethinking Impossible, which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.